Hello and welcome to the third Golf Monthly podcast that we've ever done, uh, the club, the clubhouse. Um, again, um, my name is Tom Clark. I am the senior content editor at Golf Monthly, and I'm joined today by Mike Harris, Golf Monthly editor. Hello, Mike. Hello, Tom. And also uh, content editor of Golf Monthly, Nick Bonfield. Hello, Tom. I'm looking forward to some really good stats from you this week. I've got loads lined up, don't you worry. I can't wait. Anyway, a little bit of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, two more winners, two more European winners uh, last weekend. Christopher Broberg, uh, Graham McDowell. There's been a few uh, uh, new changes to the European Tour that have been announced. So we'll be doing a quick discussion about that. And also a look ahead to the final event of the 2015 Race to Dubai, the DP World Tour Championship. So first up, Nicholas. Um, Christopher Broberg, who saw that one coming? Well, it depends what you're looking for. Uh, if you look at his 2012 season on the Challenge Tour, when he won three events in the space of four weeks. Uh, that's the first stat of the day there. <laughs> who to had elevate that? himself to instant European Tour promotion. Based on that, you would think that maybe he would have been slightly more successful in the last couple of years. Having said that, he's been steady. You know, I talk a lot about uh, culture change coming up from the, the Challenge Tour to the European Tour. And it just takes some people longer than others to get accustomed to life on the new circuit. And he's actually played fairly steadily over the last couple of years, found his feet, and now we've seen him win one time. You know, again, as is the case for a lot of players, I think we'll start to see him winning more and more often because he's got a very well-rounded game and he's obviously hugely talented because those three wins on the Challenge Tour came in something like his fourth, fifth and sixth events on the Challenge Tour circuit. So he's obviously got a lot of talent there. So we'll see how he progresses from here. Um, were you impressed by the way that he uh, got over the line? Absolutely. If you look at the playoff, perfect drive down the middle. Beautiful approach, hold a 15-footer uh, against a Ryder Cup player and the self-professed, one of the top five best players in the world. So, Is he, is he still saying impressive. that? That was a few years ago now, No, no, no. And to be fair, I defended him for saying that because at the time he arguably was one of the best five golfers in the world, but that's neither here nor there at this point. And, and actually, readers to be applauded for doing something a lot of Americans don't and coming over and trying to play a number of events on the European Tour. He played in Switzerland earlier this season. He's played a couple of times in China and expressed an interest to broaden his horizons and play around the world and I think that's to be commended yeah absolutely and um, I mean going into that event no Roy McIlroy obviously last week so the focus was very much on Danny Willett and whether he could actually get to the top of the race to Dubai rankings he didn't quite do that he needed I think 47th alone and he managed to get tied 47th or something like that um, Mike what do you think that the, do you think the European Tour will be happy that going to their final event they've got uh, first and second uh, you know separated by nothing um, they must be happy with that going into the final event. That's going to be such an exciting finish. I think they'd be happy on two reasons, Tom. One, in that one of the two players going for uh, the top billing is Rory McIlroy. Great always to have Rory as a front runner, uh, whether it's within a tournament or um, running up to, uh, obviously, the season-ending finale. So that's great. And I think it's really good to see Danny Willett, who is a um, very talented young golfer, uh, obviously come through the amateur ranks, puts a lot of effort in, um, travels, plays a lot of events. Great to see what I would call, um, a, you know, a, a real sort of supporter of the European Tour be there with a chance to go head-to-head -head with Rory uh, and possibly to beat him. And I, I think it will be in Danny's favour that he has been playing. You know, he'll be in a, um, you know, he'll be used to playing playing competitive golf week in, week out. I have a sneaking suspicion, and I'm not going to... Um, you know, ruin all the thunder for when we talk about um, DP World Championship. But 
I think Danny Willett could well topple Rory um, this week. I think he's got a really great game, really level-headed guy. Um, and, yeah, you know, he, he's going to go a long way. He will win majors, Danny Willett. Absolutely. I think we're, we're all very pleased to see him up there. He's played so many events this, this season. Um, and he, um, you know, going to that last event, I don't think anyone would have said that at the start of the season that he'd be, he'd be up there, but it's great to see him there. Um, moving on, we've already spoken about uh, one rider cupper in, in Patrick Reed today, but it was great to see Graham McDowell, um, you know, getting back to the top of the game. He hasn't had the best of years um, by any stretch of the imagination, but isn't it incredible going to a year away from the Ryder Cup, which he loves so much, suddenly, start of the, the PGA Tour season, he gets a win on the ball. Mike, were you impressed by how, what he did there? Yeah, very impressive. As I said, Graham's had a, a really tough year. Um, Playing-wise, interesting comment from him. He sort of said, um, it's been great away from the course. Obviously, he got married uh, not so long ago and, you know, sort of first child um, about this time last year. So he's obviously enjoying family life. And I think it's, you know... These guys need a life outside of golf. You need to find that sort of balance. You often actually find that uh, when the firstborn sort of comes along, that sort of nappy factor comes into play. And, you know, they realise it's not just about the golf. It's not just about beating balls on the range, going to the gym, uh, playing week in, week out. There is, you know, you you bring that sort of balance to your life uh, and it often helps. I do think that Graham uh, McDowell is one of the most balanced guys out on tour anyway. Um, I've been lucky. I've known Graham for, uh, I guess, 10 years now. Um, he was our playing editor for a long time. So we spent quite a lot of time with Graham. He's a really well-rounded, balanced guy, very laid back. So uh, maybe having, you know, the sort of you know extra family commitments has almost made him too laid back. But great to see him back in the winner's circle. Um, I know he hadn't planned on playing, um, you know, sort of in this sort of end of season or start of season rather, um, US events. But I think he just really wanted to get back out there, uh, challenge uh, on the leaderboard and obviously really done the job with winning it. For these guys, it's so much about confidence, the confidence they gain from winning an event uh, and, you know, sometimes winning ugly. I mean, McDowell hit some very, very random goal shots. Um, We've all been there. We have indeed all been there. But he is a guy who normally um, is very accurate. He's not particularly long off the tee. And I think that from speaking to some guys um, who are regularly out on tour, perhaps his quest um, to hit the ball a bit further has lost some rhythm in his swing. He's very much a guy. uh, His swing is very um, home tour. It's not, you know, it's not a classic action at all. But tempo, timing, rhythm, a key to Graham's, um, swinging the golf club well I think when you try and hit the ball harder you often get out of sync and I think you could see that in a few shots that he hit he just hit a couple of drives off the planet and you don't normally see Graham get uh, cross when he hits a bad shot but there was a little bit of tour disgust on one hole he sort of chucked the <laughs> club back to uh, um, back to Ken his caddy um, and was really um, re- really pretty annoyed with himself um, but yeah great to see Graham back uh, hopefully that'll be you know, a change in his form and that he'll be, a, you know, an integral part of the 2016 Ryder Cup team, I'm sure. And I hope he'll play his way in on merit. Yeah, I think, yeah, you have to favour him for playing his way in on merit now. And, and just a point to note on the scheduling, he, in years gone by, hasn't played until start of, for, for arguments, say, 2016. But that brings a lot of pressure in itself because you have for a lot of pressure on yourself to play well in a select few events. But now he's given himself a really good head start. He's going to have no card-worrying issues going into the new season, which is great because this was the last year of his PGA Tour exemption. 
So I think we might start to see, and we have in fact seen over the last couple of PGA Tour events, some of the guys who wouldn't normally play until the following year, just trying to get a little head start, a little advantage on their peers uh, at the end of the previous year. I think it's a good strategy, and it's certainly proved to be a good strategy for for McDowell. And the manner of the manner of his victory was was so great, McDowell, wasn't it? <laughs> um, playoff. It's possibly slightly surprising decision to hit three wood off the tee, but stiffing a five on with everything on the line, given the inauspicious run of form that he's just been through. It's just such a dogged fighter, McDowell, and it's great to see him back because we all want to see him on the Ryder Cup team. I mean, one other person we probably need to chat about from that event is, again, Russell Knox. Um, you know, another great week for him. Has mentioned in the last week that he does want to get onto the European Tour Ryder Cup team if he can do. Um, he's playing some very decent stuff. Do you think he's going to carry this on? It's a, a magnificent combination of your pro golfer of having a future secured for a couple of years and being very high on confidence so mm. the pressure will remain off him for a while now that he's got that exemption for the next couple of years and I think he's got every chance of doing it mm. um, depends how he obviously Scottish but he hasn't really played a lot of golf in Europe for a number of years now so we'll see how he adapts to that but I'm sure we'll be fine and he was unlucky in the end not not to win two in a row which for someone who has spent number of years on the mini tours represents a great success so congratulations to Russell I'm sure if he does make the team he'll, he'll do a sterling job and that, and that probably seamlessly moves us across to the um, the changes which have been announced this morning which is Tuesday the 17th of November if you're in the future somewhere <laughs> um, and that is that um, you only will need to play five uh, European tour events to to qualify for the for the event what do you think about these we've, we've chatted about this the last couple of weeks what do we think about this why are they doing this for starters I think they're probably doing it um, as a reaction to, to dialogue they've had with some players and also in an effort to try and make it almost a, a global tour and attract some Americans over I know you mentioned Patrick Reed earlier but five events in the grand scheme of things isn't a great deal especially with how lucrative the final series now is those three events so if you're an American um, not necessarily an American in the top 50, but you're thinking, oh, maybe I'll pop over in November when there's not much going on in America, play those three events, fit into other events throughout the course of the year, and then, boom, I've got a European tour card. Mm. Um, get to travel the world, play golf in different locations. I think it's an appealing prospect. I um, mean, th we've, we've mentioned already that we've got Rory McIlroy here this week, but we haven't got Spieth, we haven't got Day. Mike, do you think that they would think about coming over and playing uh, in the Dubai uh, World Tour Championship? I think in the future you shouldn't rule that possibility out. It's very, I think the announcements that have come out of the European Tour this week have been um, great statements of intent. Um, they are, you've got to remember, the European Tour acts for the interests of its players. So, um, yep, it's important that they have the top players on board looking, at, you know, either retaining their membership of the European Tour or perhaps getting some, you know, some of those global players to sign up as well. It's so key to having um, strong sponsorship, strong audience, um, viewing numbers, to having the world's best golfers playing in the top tournaments. You can put on a great tournament, a fantastic course, really high prize fund, but if you don't have the big names there, it just lacks that pop for the sponsors and also for the TV audience. And if you're not delivering... Um, new sponsors into the game or keeping your existing sponsors happy and if you're not engaging with the TV audience and also through you know all the myriad of um, you know ways that you can connect with professional golf social media looking at uh, PGA Tour European Tour uh, websites then you're not doing the job so I think the European Tour realize that 
they need to make it as an attractive proposition as as possible. Um, so it's you know it's throughout the whole season. It's about the final series. It's obviously also about the Ryder Cup because that is so important for European golf. You can't underestimate how important that is to have a strong Ryder Cup team where players are you know really fighting for inclusion and then you know putting up a um, you know a strong defence of the uh, of the cup when we go to go to America next year. I think from, from a sorry Tom, from a logical standpoint as well, it makes a great deal of sense. So we avoiding Ian Porter type situations where you realise you've dropped out the top fifty, then have to scramble madly for a Chinese visa and tell Rich Beam to <laughs> politely hand over his event <laughs> invite. So these situations are no longer going to happen. And then from a viewing perspective, it makes a great deal of sense because no more do we have to get up at three a.m. to watch. Two did of the four. did you get up at three a.m. to watch it? On occasion. It may have been a case of coming back and, and sticking the golf on. <laughs> yep. But yeah, on a party case, animal you are. The point is, it, it makes it much easier for the European golfing audience to watch these three events now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, for those who, who don't know the Chinese uh, uh, events, the two of them, which have. Um, th- no, they're not been bad events, but I don't think many people have actually managed to watch it in European time zones. Uh, they've been dropped, and uh, South African uh, tournament uh, has come in, so it'll be Turkey, then South Africa, and Dubai, which means on a Sunday afternoon um, when you're nursing a hangover or having been to watch your kid play football, you can come and watch the end of the, football, uh, end of the golf. So that I think that's going to be uh, a popular popular finish. I, I think it would be, be really good for the TV audience. I think, interesting, we were chatting um, before coming on air and, and Nick made a very good point that if you play in all three of those events, that's quite a lot of air travel you'll be, you'll be racking up. So I think it you, you will maybe not see all the top players play Turkey, South Africa, Dubai. Um, but there'll be a lot of guys who have played a lot of golf in South Africa who like the conditions down there. Ned Bank's a fantastic event. The players are looked after really well. Great golf course. Um, so I think you'll see bigger names playing in the three events. They won't necessarily play all three events. Uh, but I think it's a stronger, uh, more sponsor and viewer-friendly um, end to the season. I must say I really struggle with the uh, the Chinese events because of you know the broadcast times. Mm-hmm. I might catch you know an hour, um, you know the sort of final hour of play when I get up. But I find the courses, I have to be honest with you, a little uninspiring. Um, and then when you compare them to, as I say, you know to, to Sun City where the Ned Bank is, I really like that as a golf course. Visually very exciting. Um, so th- you know it's important that the European Tour still remain connected with China because it's a huge growing golf market but on a on a selfish perspective I would prefer watching Ned Bank or um, you know Turkish Airlines event to the um, to the two events in China definitely and crucially I don't think you'd find many people who disagree with you from a player's perspective from a sponsor's perspective um, it's just a more attractive proposition uh, it really is and interesting I wonder if the the, the the loss of the BMW tournament in China has anything to do with, with sort of economic factors in China if there's other factors at work here we just don't know but the bottom line is that it's a better all-round product for the final three events of the season and Keith Pelly and his team should be commended for that yeah I think it'd be interesting to see, I mean they have got it pretty right this year you know again as we said with the two players um, neck and neck going into the final one, mm. so hopefully they'll have the same again next year so let's look forward to th- uh, this weekend um it is the end of the uh, a long 2015 season with the DP World Tour Championship. Now, Rory's in the field. 
He's won there before. He's done. He's done everything there. He's always finishing top five. Is it just going to be a, a runaway success for Rory, or, or or do we think that someone else is going to come in there and, and nick it from him? Yeah, uh, Sergio Garcia. Well, no. Ser- well Sergio's <laughs> not playing. He's, he's decided yeah, to pull out. Thank uh, yeah. Thanks, Nick. That you know, they all your jokes always the best. So, um, <laughs> um, uh, just here, here's one of those stats. So going back through Rory's record, there, mm-hmm. he first played in 2009. Seven, six times he's finished in the top five. The other time he finished tied for 11th. And you've got Danny pretty, Willett. Pretty impressive. Pretty Danny impressive. Willett is going head to head with the King on his favoured turf, with all the pressure on his shoulders because McElroy's been there and done it before. We'll Do you think the pressure is? I'm not sure the pressure is on Willett. Absolutely, I think he'll be feeling it far more than McElroy. I think he will feel a sense of occasion, but um, you know we've all um, worked with Danny when we um, had a great day Callaway Kings of Distance at Stoke Park. Uh, in 2014 he's a really good guy he's really good fun uh, very grounded I think he can rise to the occasion I'm not sure I don't yeah, think yeah, pressure's he, on either of them he, he could well rise but when he sits there before the event and thinks probably got to finish in the top five here to win I think hmm. that does bring some pressure having said that that's not to say he's not going to rise to it he finished I think he got to the semi-finals of the WGC yeah. match play earlier this year played well in the Open Championship and it was just probably the, the quality and, and breadth of field there that stopped him getting the job done but he has proved this season, he won, won twice, proved this season that he, he does have the constitution to do well in these big events. So it definitely wouldn't surprise anyone. I would just have to say on balance, there's slightly more pressure on his shoulders. I don't think Rory McIlroy will be feeling much pressure at all, no, if, if I, I'm brutally I would, honest. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. It's a pretty much a free hit for yeah, Rory. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, d- I think the other thing about Danny is obviously he was a former amateur world number one. So he, uh, he's know, he knows what the pressure's like of going into an event. Um, you know, where he knows he's got to win or, d- or do well. So I think people f- sometimes forget about that. Personally, my view as, a, uh, as the, uh, the betting tipster at uh, Golf Monthly, if you're looking for someone who's actually going to win the event, if you're not going for Rory, which I would definitely look at Rory very closely, um, is to look at people, that, you know, it's, it's usually, of course, which suits people who drive it a long way because um, it's reasonably open. Um, so I think the people to look out for have still got to be people who are favourites, Henrik Stenson, uh, Justin Rose. But Nick, you're one of your uh, guys that you've um, interviewed in the past, Victor Dubisson, who obviously only won a couple of uh, weeks ago. He was second there last year, I believe. Um, do you think he's got chances this week again? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Of course he's got a chance. He's, what, top 15 now in the race to Dubai, having come from absolutely nowhere Talk about free hits with McElroy. This is absolutely a free hit for Dubison, who three weeks ago <laughs> was probably contemplating his future and what was going on and all the changes he would have to make. Has, has he stopped crying yet? It's been two I believe weeks so. Now. Reports coming in suggest that he has, yes. Good, and good. It has been, there's been a lot of rain around in yeah. London, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Maybe he's adept in desert type conditions, as mm. we saw at the match play. Mm. Um, hits it a decent distance, solid all round game. Uh, I'm looking slightly further down the list to a couple of people who I think might fit the criteria that you need to win there, i.e. putt well and hit the ball a long way. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone like Bernd Wiesberger, Brandon Grace and Thomas Peters. Thomas Peters particularly has, I think, finished inside the top 25 in all three final series events. Hits it miles off the tee and I think he's in the top 15 uh, in putts per greens and regulation on the European Tour and that adds up to someone having a good chance over this layout. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that Peters is a is a is a decent shout. Actually, he's usually one that goes under the radar um, as well. Um, Neil, Neil Tappin, who usually uh, presents the podcast, he's actually in Dubai and he uh, hot off the press. He said he thinks that get your money on Ross Fisher at sixty six to one because 
He's been playing very well and it, uh, it should suit his game. But that is a tip from Neil, not me, so don't ring and complain. I think it's an interesting one. I think it's good to see Ross back uh, playing well. Uh, obviously, he had a really good run a few years ago, then sort of fell slightly off the radar, but good to see him back. I think there'll be a couple of other English guys who I would back to do well uh, this week. Um, Andy Sullivan, mm-hmm. who's had a, another great season. I think he's really looked to kick on. I think he's got to be looking at a Ryder Cup spot for next year. That's got to be a big ambition for Andy. Uh, and also Tommy Fleetwood as well. I'm obviously being a little bit biased. I'm picking our uh, current playing editor and our previous playing editor. They're really good guys. Lights and do well. They're both very popular. But Tommy certainly hits it a very long way. If he gets his short game going this week, which has always been the thing that perhaps holds him back, then I think Tommy could have a really good week and it would be uh, fantastic for, for him to win because he's on the front cover of the next <laughs> issue. So, yeah, good plug, good plug. And Sullivan loves the desert as well, so two yeah. good chants there. And uh, just uh, one final one for me. I, I mentioned him last week, but I'm going to mention him again just because... Um, Jimenez. No, not oh, Jimenez. Not Jimenez, Jimenez. Um, mm. no. Um, just a quick mention for Jimenez here, though. To age of, what, 52 to be in the top 60 on the European Tour still is a hell of an effort. So yeah, oh, I, think, I, think, I think we mentioned that last week. He's... Um, whether age is, it has been a long season for for most of the youngsters, so for for him especially, he's doing so well. I'm saying the Champions Tour, yeah, as well. he's all over the world all the time. So um, it, it would be nice for him to to figure, I think, uh, somewhere at, mm. uh, this weekend. Um, but the, no, the guy I'm going to talk to is Scott Hend again, Australian, hits the ball an awful long way, averages over 300 yards. That's a stat from me there, Nick. So you very can good, have that one. Impressive, I'll take and he's he's a hundred to one. So um, again, another good week last week as well. Finished top 15, I think it was. So. Um, maybe someone to look out for but anyway uh, we're going to wrap it up there thanks ever so much for for listening I hope you enjoyed it Um, we'll have another one next week just so that you know if you want to keep up with all the latest from Golf Monthly check out the Golf Monthly website golf-monthly.co.uk and also our Twitter at Golf Monthly and our Facebook pages Um, all the best and speak to you next week (laughs) 